Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Spidey Dude Experience. Thank you for watching and listening. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. Our Patreon subscribers, Vakeman, Greg, Jurgen, and Scott. I want to thank them for their support. If you want to see what all the fuss is about, just head on over to that page, patreon.com slash Network, for more information. While you're there, you can also also head over to spidey-dude.com. When you go there, you can check out other episodes of our other shows, such as Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Stay tuned for Season 2 debuting this March with uh, Hobby and Jack Trillo. Clone Saga Chronicles. I've been doing a, a look back on that myself. Spectacular Radio, Big Mind Mayday, and our newest show, Voices from the Area Gargoyles Podcast. We want also to let your voice be heard. We would love to hear from you. And as such, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you prefer email, leave an email, us an email, mail at network at gmail.com. Or if you want to have your voice on the show, leave us a voicemail at 818-925-6631. Just be sure to tell us what show you're calling about and where you're from. We'll play it live on the respective shows. It is the voicemail line for the entire radio network. But you can also leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We'll do our best to read it on our future episode here on the show. A mild disclaimer before we get started. Those listening to the audio version of this program, please excuse references to the visual aids and or live comments as these shows are live streamed on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Radio Network, Twitch, and Facebook. And while you're there at Facebook, be sure to hit the like, share, and subscribe. Uh, like us on Facebook and like, share, and subscribe on our YouTube page. Just search in the search box for YouTube.com for Spidey, Spidey Radio Network there. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host and webmaster of the website Spidey-Dude.com. And... This is another exciting episode of Spider-Dude Experience. Uh, I do want to make a show announcement for this show. And it's kind of related to the show, but I want to talk about it for a minute. <clears throat> but before I get started, I want to introduce my panelists. First up, hailing from the great state of Texas as well, he is Neil Bogenreiter. Host of Bogart Variety. I also do Twitch things. Yes. That's fun. Follow him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash quillsniff. Uh, next up, we've got Adam Beyond. Not Neil Bogenreiter, but Adam. God damn it. Zach, you gotta let me you gotta let me control the graphics. You're <laughs> <laughs> a producer for a reason. <laughs> All right, Neil, or Adam and Neil, welcome back to the show. Adam, hello, art apologist. Hello. Uh, this episode, we're going to be covering two issues. We're going to be covering issues 89, uh, 89, or 890, excuse me, and the dot uh, B issue. So if you saw our cover, uh, this is our cover right now, uh, 88.bay, starring the Slingers. Slingers back. Wow, I don't care. <laughs> slingers are pretty cool. I like the slingers in the nineties. The slingers uh, are cool, but I don't care about them. So yeah, well, yeah. 90s. If you're watching this program, 
and I'm going to talk about it more on our on our Discord over the next couple of days. Uh, speaking of the '90s and the, and this program, there is a show called Clone Saga Chronicles. You may have heard of it. It's very obscure. Um, the original flagship show of the network. If the stars align right, which I still waiting on one person to hear back from, um, our finale will be recorded this weekend. Ooh. Ooh. So it's a big deal. Um, if it does not come to fruition, I'll let everybody know, but uh, we want feedback. So if you want to leave feedback, you can always leave an email at clonesoccerchronicles at gmail.com. Or Spidey Radio Network at gmail.com, one or the other. Uh, any and all feedback will be left. Um, if you want to leave that feedback, let us know. Uh, I will, right now, I've got hopefully, uh, and again, this is subject to change. I'm still waiting for some stars to align. Um, hear back from some people. But right now, I'll have Greg Gerard, myself, uh, I'm just waiting to hear back for sure from Josh and Donovan. And as soon as I know more, we'll be there. Um, so it is uh, the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. So we'll be talking about um, the two issues we've not covered that are in the Clone Saga trades. Is anyone else hearing? Is anyone else hearing like? hymns in the background or is that just me whoa I don't want to hear so Vinkman is very excited um, I have been doing a deep dive listening to uh, CSC and if you follow me on Twitter you might have seen me apologize publicly for some of the <laughs> jokes because um the killing of puppies and uh, threatening to decapitate teddy bears, Siler style, um, were funny. Those jokes were funny in 2009, 2010. Not so much anymore. Um, They've lost their charm. Uh, yeah, we've all grown up uh, quite a bit, I would think, in the last uh, decade, <laughs> decade plus. Um, it is weird to go back and listen to the shows because I'll be honest, my, my, my knowledge of, of the saga is significantly less. Uh, if we don't get it done this weekend, I, I, I would like to get it done by April. Um, I'm kind of, of one mind to think that to kind of maybe wait until beyond is done. So I can get some. It's, it's, I can get the guys' thoughts on it because I know like Greg is what, reading it, Don I think is reading it, and Josh is reading it as well. Um, pretty sure Gerard's not because Gerard just does not read modern comics anymore <laughs> unless I force him to. He's smart. He's smart. He's smarter than all of us put together. Yeah, yeah. He well, like literally. I mean, the only modern, unfortunately, the only, only modern comics he's read has been like. Um, God, I think the only thing he read post 800 was Spider-Verse and Clone Conspiracy. You mean post 700? Because 800 yeah. was Goblin. Yeah, was Goblin. yeah he, he left or he, he quit reading 
after um, 700. So, like, other than that, in the past uh, almost 200 issues, <laughs> uh, he's only read Clone Conspiracy and Spider-Verse. So... So, I can relate to Gerard. I don't read modern either. Finding out what's going on in the modern party is what shows like this is for. <laughs> well, I, I think we've been pretty fair about modern stuff. Um, we're not mean know, about it, at least. At least, un unless we think we deserve it. Unless we think it deserves it. We're not needlessly cruel. Yeah, it's been something. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, this show is different because of the cast. <clears throat> you know, any show, it's all about the cast. Um. Mm -hmm. We're covering modern stuff as it goes. With the with CSC, we had the beauty of hindsight for the uh, of the vast majority of episodes. I think, other than the Scarlet Spider or the Kane Scarlet Spider title, and like clone conspiracy stuff. Go to bed, woman. But hi, mom. Hi, hi, baby. Um, what the fuck? What the hell? <laughs> That's my wife. She says hi, friendos. Hi, friendo. <laughs> Sleep. Anyway, but my point being that you know, with this, we're cover we're not covering it in a vacuum. Obviously, it's been Riley related, um, and there's been a lot of people. Like, there's been a good chunk of people that have been listening to, um. Uh, the show, I, I, I've seen the numbers. Um, people are starting to listen, to tune in the show. So we've been getting more people. So um, I'm, I'm really, really pleased and excited about it. Um, there probably will be, my goal is, is to get all the legacy shows on the network here on YouTube by the end of this calendar year. Because <clears throat> there's 75 plus episodes. CSC, there's... 52 episodes of spec Spidey. Um, and so, and then I think there's 52 episodes of ASM classics. So, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of back catalog. I think uh, the other day, uh, um, I think we got like 300 episodes of on the network of podcasts. That's pretty good. You know, yep. start, starting a podcast network in 2009, really not in 2009, more, I mean, that's when CSC started, but we didn't start until like 2014. So, um, like I say, really excited. Part of the reason we're talking about this is because I, I, Paul's going to be on the show later. Um, apparently, I am not the boss of Sarah. Bankman says hi to Sarah. And Sarah is an equal marriage. Yeah. So, uh, one minor programming note for next episode we'll probably be talking if there's some spidey news uh, on the action figure front we'll be talking about it um, <clears throat> the current retro wave the one with a Ben Riley and symbiote and armored spidey wave is out now check your local stores if you happen to see a symbiote spidey uh, pick that Pick that uh, dude up because that dude's going for like a hundred bucks on eBay already. So um, it's crazy. $20 figure and people are selling it for almost a hundred bucks. And it's just because of the new body mold. 
That's how much people like that body mold. And it's a good body mold. Don't, don't misunderstand. Um, pretty good, pretty good uh, thing. So, um, we did have one news topic we were going to talk about. Neil, tell me about who the Spider Smasher is. Okay, so Spider-Man's Twitter account uh, released a press thing that wasn't even really a press. It's not even like really news. We're just waiting for Paul to show up. Um, oh, so thank- Matt, what? Uh, Mr. Comics eighty nine says, "I'm listening to Make My Mayday podcast, loving it. Thank you." I will pass so, it to uh, Kelly. So, anyways, back on topic. Um, yeah. So, so imagine um, Karn mixed with Kindred, and um, it's you've got the Spider Smasher. Uh, he'll be showing, or they, sorry, they use they them pronouns. Um, they'll be showing up in uh, Miles Morales Spider Man number thirty eight. Um, as I, I don't even know what Spider Smasher is. It's just a tease. Um, apparently, Spider Talk got more exclusive info. No, it was just they were just not they really. Just, they, were just the ones, they were just the ones to like catch catch the wave before sharing with everybody else. Oh, okay. They're, they're how I found out about it. So, yeah, that was gross. Yeah, but it's how I feel about this. Thing. I don't know. I mean, look, Miles Morales has not been a title that I've been overly excited about, and it's just Ahmed's writing has not grabbed me. Um, I, I, I I don't feel like I'm the target audience of Miles's book. Um, does Miles, does Miles have a? Yes, he does. I think he has absolutely has a target audience. I feel like they just. I feel. I, I feel like I, I remember who's who said it best, but they said like Miles just exists to like create new villains for royalties. <laughs> people like the idea. Of, people like the idea of Miles that you, more than they actually like the character. There's certain stories you can write with Miles now that you couldn't write. To me, Miles existing in the in the six one six. As much as I don't like it in general, because I feel like it diminishes his individuality. The one good thing about it is is that you can write the swinging single Spidey that everybody wants and loves to write, and you can write the adult Peter Parker as Peter Parker, and it frees like it doesn't. For so long, Marvel wanted to put Peter Parker in the box of Swing. I remember. I remember. Um, there was a rumor going around. I don't know if it's true or not, but there was a rumor going around around the time Civil War Two came out that Bendis planned to kill off Peter in Civil War Two instead of War Machine, and then slot of all people talked him out of it. Well, one, it's repeating the same story over again. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just surprised that like, slot of all people had more sense than Bendis. Is what I'm saying. Well, because Bendis doesn't give a crap about any ramifications, and if they killed Spider-Man off, then Slot was going to have to deal and pick up the pieces. Like, I completely for Slot, it was partially self-preservation. Like, what was he going to no, write? I know, but, I'm just, but I'm just saying that, like, well, Silver Surfer. 
He could have oh, released that time for once. That, that's fair. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I don't, I don't care about this. <laughs> I don't know why, why are we talking about this. This is like a, this is a nothing burger. We're just buying ourselves time. Let's talk about the actual comics. Come on, man. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, we want to pull up uh, the image there, uh, uh, Neil. What image? Oh, we're gonna start. Do we, want to talk about do we do we want to talk about comicsology real quick? Because I got a bone to pick real quick with comicsology. Uh oh. All right, let's talk about comics. Okay, so from what I can gather, comicsology I think is discontinuing its desktop version. Like it's, it's I think it's being folded into Kindle. It still works for me as of right now. Uh, <laughs> so. Turn Sorry, off your theme song. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was accidental. Um, I, it's just blowing up in my face. Um, Hang on, let me let me look it up real quick. Yeah. So so okay. Let's let's kind of give a little bit of background. So so. Comixology is a Amazon company. It was bought and purchased by Amazon a number of years back, and they've been slowly but surely integrating it into the Amazon footprint. Um, they announced earlier this year that they were going to be making some, or late last year, excuse me, they're going to be making some major changes to the platform, including the shuttering of the desktop version of Comixology. I, Neil and I probably agree this is a mistake. Um, if you've taken a look at, like, there, there's two things to take into consideration here. The first is that comic, that comic books have not been optimized for Kindle. Uh, if you if you've read comics on Kindle before, it's a horrible experience either on mobile or on desktop. So this is already a bad choice to begin with. Um, what was the second point? I kind of actually I think I might have bled into part into my second argument right there. Well, to me, okay, I, I have not tried to read it like on on the Kindle e-reader ever. I've always I've had an iPad. God. <sighs> seven or eight years now but like this weird assumption that that amazon has that people don't want to read comic books on their um on their on their computers is mind-boggling to me yeah I, again that's why i say it's a, it's a profound mistake um taking away a platform i can understand from a certain level for mac users as Mac OS and iOS start more and more to integrate with one another and work well with one another, especially with Apple going into their own silicon, where iPhone and iPad apps work with Macs and Mac apps are starting to work with iPhone apps, you know, they're, they're starting to, but more vice versa. Used to be there was a very clear wall. So as that sphere starts blurring, I can understand it. But for Windows users, unless they're coming out with an exclusive Windows Comicsology app mm -hmm. in their app store, this makes no sense. Um, 
one of my biggest gripes. I understand why, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the Epic case with Apple. Uh, oh yeah, going how, to how they're filming like Fortnite, right? So yeah, do you know anything about that? Like, do you know, uh, okay. like, the, okay, so Apple launches the app, the App Store in two thousand and eight. Or excuse me, two thousand nine. With the first With iPod Apple. Touch, right? It was yeah, uh, iOS three. Or excuse me, iPhone OS two. That wasn't even called iOS yet. Um. So when they launched the App Store, the structure was very simple: thirty three percent of the money was going to Apple, thirty three percent going to the developer. And then 33% um, was going to... Uh, Hi, Warren. Uh, yeah, that's why. Um, so it was kind of split up into thirds. So Apple took a third off the top, a 30% cut. Basically, since they created the infrastructure, they're using their servers, they're going to create the cut. So the developer got 60-some-odd percent. You know, By the time taxes was taken out it was like i think like 40 percent went to the developers um so epic pulled fortnite from their app store and tried to circumvent the app store hey big boy big boy hello i can hear him whining i know he's probably wanting me to let him out here in a minute also, quite... real, real, real quick, Mister Comics said that he has digital. He has reading digital comics on his phone. I can't take in the whole page. I don't like this zoom in panel, but I like it though. It depends. Older stuff I don't like. Mm. Newer stuff, like, like the newer stuff that's built for this kind of experience, yeah. I think is better. But like when you try and yeah, when you, try, when you try and like graft it onto something that was built way before a digital medium was ever thought of. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's where the where the but like in, but. To me, that tossing the baby out with the bathwater is not a wise is not a wise uh, agreed thought process. And as somebody that's read comics on a tablet, like an actual tablet, whether it be a Kindle, like the Kindle tablet, not not the e-reader, but the tablet, uh, the comic experience was actually pretty decent on on a on a Kindle there. But on a regular Kindle, that is the e-ink version of Kindle, no. So like on, my, like on my grandfather's, which is like a which is like a six by four. No shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a six by four black and white with no color grading. It's gonna be an awful experience. Yeah, yeah. No, it absolutely is. So, all that being said, Apple creates the App Store, but Epic decides that they don't want to sit there and pay the cut to Apple, but they still yeah. want. Offer the game. Well, they tried to circumvent Apple's terms of service. Apple says no, says and they pull their license. So they're now they're in court. And so basically, the concept of side side loading has now come up, and that is more or less the fight that is occurring in um in the courts right now. There is some legislation that may allow for cir- for side scrolling. The thing is, is that right now with the Mac, you can do side loading, but they also have the walled off ecosystem too. They have kind of the best of both worlds. 
but they've never allowed that for the iPhone unless you did a jailbreak. What was that? He is telling me he needs to go outside. I'll be right back. Also, I think I think a takeaway from this should be um, don't assume either of these either of these two giant mega corporations are your friend. That's true. Um, I think we should. I think we should scream and I think we should scream and piss and shit all over uh, Comicsology until they until they solve the problem. <laughs> they cut it into this mess. It's their job to fix it. That is true. But yeah, um, what were we saying? I don't know. Oh, they even have a new. They even have a new loading screen. Look at this. I hate this. <laughs> Remember, giant corporations are not your friend. Oh, I have to sign Dude. into my, into my. So okay, I think they've also disabled um like a separate Comicsology account. What? So you're probably wondering what does my me talking about the Epic case have to do with Comicsology? What has to deal with like how how comics are distributed and how? Yes, but it also pertains to Amazon and Comicsology. Used to, I used to be able to get on the Comicsology app. And buy my comics on the Comicsology app. Now I have to go in to the Comicsology website on my browser, purchase it on my browser. Also, they've changed the. I, I'm, I just downloaded the most recent version of the app. This UI is awful. So they did about. <laughs> I think four years ago. I'm not exactly sure when. Off, and this is me off the top of my head. Used to be, you used to be able to do it as an in-app purchase. But the thing was, was that <clears throat> Apple was taking their thirty percent. So to circumvent Amazon it, didn't, Amazon didn't want to. Amazon didn't want to share. Amazon didn't want to share the money. So Amazon's like, no, because you got to think. I would assume because physical physical media, you know, you're paying two ninety nine for the book. Your cost is probably about two dollars, right? Um, there's probably a dollar to fifty cent profit margin per per issue that you that you sell if you're the seller. And that's on and that's on a physical copy, right? Or is right, that yeah, I'm just talking about physical copies. So on the, that's on the physical store. I don't know what the profit margins are on the digital side. However, I do know that whatever that was, Apple took a third of that profit because of the access to the ecosystem. And so to circumvent that, basically Amazon forced you to go onto the browser, into the website, Buy it on the website. You pay, you know, the the convenience fee, and it basically completely circumvented having to use any bit of Apple's Apple's ecosystem. Also, I want to point something out. So, Marvel doesn't do this, but like smaller publishers, like I think Boom and IDW at least allow uh-huh. for D- allow for DRM free downloads. You can download them as PDFs without a digital license. Right. Um, they're set to not. They're set to cancel that now. Everything is going to be exclusively within the app. You can't download anything either on desktop or on the app, which I think is really bad. Uh, and and also this this falls into um, 
kind of like the was the vertical is it it's vertical monopolization right so not only do not only do they have exclusive access to the platform but they also have ac sole access to digital distribution exactly what, force everyone to play by their terms exactly what it's also ensuring is that you will never own anything you you'll, rent it. <laughs> you'll have to subscribe to whatever and I think that one of the other things that Comixology and Amazon want to do is they want to push people into the into the Amazon Unlimited model. And I want that. The, the big two, especially, are very resistant on going the way of how music is going with Spotify, because the the one big thing that most people are not realizing it's not the the reason that artists are pulling out of Spotify. Isn't just because of be, they're, they're blaming Joe Rogan, but it's not just because of Joe Rogan. It's the fact that they are getting paid pennies on the dollar, literally, literally three cents per every dollar that Spotify makes through. I think both ad both ad coverage and like plays per exactly you know, like, for like every million plays. I think they get like three cents. I think is yep. the, is the, is <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and it's an absurd number and. and as much as you know, Neil Young wants to take a stand against you know misinformation. It's equally going. I'm not making any money on this anyway, so I can afford to take this stand. It, it, it's really, it's it, it's kind of a bit disingenuous when you really think about it. The guy wasn't making hardly any money on Spotify as it was, so removing it wasn't that big of a hit to his personal pocketbook. All it did was hurt yeah, the consumer. Probably, probably, probably sells better on vinyl anyway. Well, it might have increased his sales on physical media. Uh, it, it, it's an argument that I know Vinkman likes to make about, you know, physical media versus, you know, non-physical media. As convenient as Disney Plus is, um, you will never yeah, also, own... And it's also one that Vink it's also one that Vinkman or not, not. Shit, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're just cutting it out. And. <laughs> and Vinkman, feel free to comment on, on below. But you know, when you're talking about the this digital issue, it, it's it's one of those things where the the case. Uh, that you know, if I create, you know, it becomes a, a, a situation where do I create the ecosystem? In this case, right now, you know, Comixology has created this ecosystem, um, and they're having to play Neil, you know, play Neil, uh, play uh, hi Neil, um, play by the, they're making the rules up. But who is going to win in this? The consumer. Right now is going to lose by taking away an avenue to say, hey, I read my comics on my computer. Um, I read my comics. I read my comics at my desk at work because I can get on the computer and I can log in. And it's one of the few websites I don't you know, get blocked or whatever. I can read my comics at work on my lunch break. How many people do that? Um, well, depending that they have Wi-Fi, like you, you need to, like you need to, like download them in bulk before you get to your house. It's it's weird. I I also understand why they're getting rid of the desktop variant of Comixology. Think about the amount of market share that a desktop 
okay, when this show start when, when when this network started in two thousand nine, podcasts were pretty much primarily on iPods, iPhones, and computers. The amount of market share that desktop computing had in two thousand and nine versus uh, now was like I think like twenty percent iPhone, iPod, eighty percent desktop, and now it is the complete opposite. Most people don't get on their desktops unless they're doing something that requires a desktop, like what we're doing right now requires me to have a desktop. But I can conceivably do this show with my iPad if I wanted to. Like, I've I've tested it out, and I've done it. Um, here's, the, here's, here's the thing. Coming from someone who whose entire like graphical design career has involved being creative in how I get my assets... Um, this doesn't really, it's bad, but like for someone like me who uses the covers as like on thumbnails that I, that I make for this site, um, Mm. this doesn't really affect the actual end result. It just affects how many extra steps I have to take to get those assets. Right. Right. No, it's one of those things that is very frustrating. One of the things I like about like going through the cover gallery at marvel.com is that I can easily do it. I can sit there and pull up a cover and say, okay, I've got this cover, if they've got this, this issue scanned digitally. But I don't have access to every single spectacular Spider-Man cover or every single web of Spider-Man cover or every single adjective of Spider-Man cover on marvel.com right now. Why? Because they've not uploaded every issue. There's still a massive bulk of issues... J2! J2? I, I mean, I, I can't look at the last six issues of J2. I've got missing pages in Spider-Man yeah. right now yeah. of the latter half of, of the first volume of Spider-Girl. We've talked about that on Make My Mayday um, that are missing. Uh, again, as Vinkman says, this is just reinforcing his preference for physical media. And I get it. I completely get it. To, to provide something of a counter against it, not yeah. everyone has the space to get a physical collection. Like some people have their yeah. phone, phone or tablet, and that's it. That's how they access their media. Like I'm very lucky because I live in I live in a house mm-hmm. with my room that is. Like, I have my own office. This isn't it right mm-hmm. now, but like I have shelves like these where I can store things I need. Yeah. To to, to have a physical media collection. I, I am very lucky in that regard because I have both the disposable yeah. income to have yeah. a physical collection as well as the space to store it. And I mm-hmm. and I I feel like Amazon is trying to say like, oh, we're making it more convenient, but they're missing the forest for the trees in that regard. I understand not fragmenting the audience. I can understand Voltroning the audience. The problem is, is that when you have consumers that are comic consumers that are creatures of habit, you've already made them creatures of habit based on the systems that you have in place to disrupt those systems for people, consumers that are very niche consumers. This is not John Q. Public. If I... 
felt like this was a, a ploy to get more people to read more comics, I would be all for this. But the problem is, is it just feels like they're consolidating for the sake of consolidating because they want to see if they can drive more eyeballs to their Kindle app. The problem is, is that <laughs> comic Kindle, reading Kindle, Kindle peaked years ago. I, in my opinion, the the that at least the physical platform of Kindle. Whether I, or not platform is still absolutely viable, but the problem is, is that most people use the Kindle app on their phone. They don't use like the 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 e-ink readers the way they did, like you're saying, years ago. I mean, that was 15 years ago. Absolutely, people. And granted, they still make the e-ink readers, and there still is some um, advantages to it for reading books. But everything else, I, I don't see the advantage of it at all. No, I no, I know. But what I but what I'm saying is is that Kindle Kindle I think has peaked in viability, right. and their attempt this this is their attempt to take the assets of a platform that has also already peaked mm -hmm. and combine and combine it with a platform that they actually want to succeed. In, in an effort to re, re, rekindle and revitalize. Because it's kind of the same thing with Audible versus Amazon Podcasts. Like, you launch Amazon Music Podcast and Audible, and you have two different things, and now you're trying to smash them together, thinking that it's going to you know attract new listeners and everything like that. The problem is, is that you already had an existing base that probably you're using those products. How, you know, the, the, the amount of new people using the product may be negligible. Uh, and instead, this user experience suffers. That's my that's my two cents on it. Um, again, it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. There's actually been drafts of legislation to prevent um, <clears throat> the walling off side of things, like with Apple. Um, it'll get very, very ugly, very, very fast. Um, Apple's already written to those you know senator or those congress people saying please don't do this this you know which I, I on one hand as somebody that enjoys the apple ecosystem uh quite a bit uh i like the fact that it's kind of walled off uh, as somebody that used android in the past it was very much the wild wild west and while i feel like i know what i'm doing with that not everyone has the same consumer knowledge that someone like you or i do where we where we are fairly in in the know of what Apple is doing. I understand as somebody that used to jailbreak, I, I literally jailbroke the first iPhone. I feel like you should admit to committing a crime on, on live stream. <laughs> but see, the thing is, this is a while ago. <laughs> here's the thing. Jailbreaking your phone was not illegal, but jailbreaking your tablet was. Well, and see, I, the the main worry for me, like going, we need to have a final word on this before we move into the into the actual yeah. comic. We've been talking about like we've been talking about copy. We've been talking about like Amazon for like the last half hour. Um, yeah. Apple and Amazon for the last but, hour. But um, the big A's <laughs> to kind of to to kind of close out. Like it, the sure Amazon might have your best interest at heart with that. I, and that's giving them extreme benefit of the doubt. Cause I, cause yeah. never assume that a corporation has your best interest at heart. Oh. It's, it's, it is it's simply trying to a, save a, money. It is, simple, it is simply an alignment of conveniences. It's but all, also but get also, them increased profits. Yeah. Also, Saving money. And do not, yeah. do not assume that they will stop 
there, they will do something else that once you once once you are uh the useful idiot, once your role as the useful idiot has been finished, they will discard you for the next thing that makes them more money. Um if if you got if Zach and I have talked about this extensively, but um right to repair laws. Um Oh, the current administration has been pushing hard for like right to repair laws, and Apple is introducing legislation, or not introducing legislation, but they're, but they're they're calling all their lobby friends and saying, "Hey, man, maybe you should uh, not do that because otherwise we'll withdraw your uh, missile money for Raytheon." Uh, and Apple is also getting ahead of it too. They're starting to work on softening their stance on the right to repair. Um. They, I, feel, they, I feel like that's not out of like the goodness of their heart. That's more just out of a recognition that if they don't do it, they'll probably lose more than they gain from it. Exactly. Uh, it's just like the port situation where the EU really, 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 really wants to go standardized ports. So meaning basically USB-C. And Apple makes so much damn money so for uh, licensing Lightning that it, I mean Lightning was made out of necessity because the USB-C was not ready for prime time and it's plainly evident for like the first iteration of USB-C um, it, still some, it still needs some tinkering it needed massive amount of tinkering I think now it's it's more of a mature asset so now that it's matured finally and they finally worked out all the kinks uh it's fine but i will say this apple will go portless before they'll go USB-C on the iphone because that requires play that requires playing ball with the rest of the with the rest of the you already magsafe is basically their back door okay anyways let's talk about comics um so, yeah <laughs> listen i could talk about apple and and things like that all day long but um, Dude, you came here to talk. You came here to hear about Spider Man comics, and I... <laughs> all right. Anyways, disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. In fairness, we we found our groove. Like we we originally just like whining about Spider Smasher for ten minutes to give Paul. Some well, that was, time. We, that we was just you. We gave Paul <laughs> this was... whole hour. Uh, yeah, that was just, that was just you whining about it, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, whining about it too. Miles, not really. <laughs> Exactly about the uh, the latest two issues of Amazing Spider-Man. We had a Dot Bay issue last week, um, and we have the issue that came out today as of this recording. Do we want to talk about eighty eight Dot Bay? Yeah, let's talk about the Dot Bay first. Um, Neil, I don't have the covers. I didn't. I didn't think to bring those before. Oh, no. Neil. <laughs> Look, okay. man, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> I was That's at my fair. dad's house too, so I didn't really have a whole lot of prep time. Okay. Yeah, my, my me, me and the ex husband, or me and the ex wife's husband, ex husband, <laughs> the ex wife's husband, and, and the ex wife and my wife were too busy jabbering, and we were all jabbering. I was like, I need to go. Okay, so anyways, uh, ASM dot eighty eight or eighty eight dot bay. Written written by Jeffrey Thorne, who, if you don't know who he is, he's writing the Green Lantern series for DC, and he's also the guy who wrote the Star Trek Titan novels. Uh, for those of you who haven't read those, 
uh, with art by uh, Jan Bazaljua and uh, Jim Toe and colors by Jim Campbell. So, uh, hey guys, remember that thing King and Black where Venom got the Silver Surfer's surfboard made into an axe? Uh, and we don't talk about that really because that was really stupid. Um, so the issue begins there, um, where a random lady is getting attacked by a symbiote monster, and uh, she's saved by Hornet. Uh, it's Hobie Brown. I, I somehow he became the Hornet. I don't really remember. Okay, so do you want me to give a little bit of like background on on how why he's even getting? You don't the- even know. He, I mean, he he made. It- Peter went to him for the design of the okay. suit. So back in, oh, I, thought back- about, like, I thought you were asking about how he became the Hornet during King and Black. Okay, well, sorry. That, that part you can you Maybe can probably add a little bit Is that more. When he became Hornet. Yes, Anyways, Zach. Uh, so the history of the Hornet. Um, okay, so back during the late nineties, ninety-seven, maybe ninety-eight. Um, yeah, like yeah. Uh, there was the there was a story called Spider Hunt, and Norman Osborn framed Peter Parker for the killing of a low level thug named Joey Z. And as a result of this frame up, Peter Parker as Spider Man's life was a living hell. And basically, Peter had a five million dollar bounty on his head, and you had everybody coming after him. So the Spider Hunt story occurs. Basically, it comes down to Normie gets kidnapped by the fifth Green Goblin, and all sorts of shenanigans ensue. Peter then uh, decides to give up being Spider-Man temporarily and adopt four different costume identities to keep everybody off the trail. So you had Ricochet, my six-year-old self, or eight-year-old self, what is still saying, Rio Chip. I think it's what I'm saying instead of Ricochet. Uh, you had Ricochet, you had Dusk, you had Hornet, you had Prodigy. Um, there were four Spider-Man titles at the time, so Hornet was Spectacular Spider-Man. Sensational. Sensational Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man was Prodigy. Amazing Spider-Man was uh, Ricochet. And Peter Parker Spider-Man was uh, Dusk. Now, Dusk and Ricochet kind of operated on the opposite side of the law a little bit. So, Dusk was kind of hanging out with uh, Pastepot Pete, a.k.a. the yeah. Trash. Um, whereas Ricochet was hanging out with Delilah, uh, the deadly femme fatale that used to work exclusively with the Rose. And then you had Prodigy, who was kind of like your uh, bombastic Saturday morning cartoon superhero. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just more, you know, more or less the more like Peter Parker. The tech, the tech one. He was much more tech related. So, um, Hobie Brown had gotten partially paralyzed uh, during a battle in the 1990s. Uh, it was actually Spider Man Unlimited number 14 uh, in a battle with the Rocket Racer while they were participating in a in the great game, a Mortal Kombat style. Um, simulation type thing where you had a bunch of uh, rich and wealthy people betting on their respective superpowered people, and uh, it was a battle to the death or a battle to get to gain their masks. And so, basically, uh, Hobie and Rocket Racer were fighting, were basically play fighting each other when uh, <clears throat> the unfortunately named El Toro Negro. AKA the, <laughs> the Black Bull um, decided to like 
shoot a rocket launcher missile at him, at them, and uh, and paralyzed Hobie. In fairness, at least at least it wasn't uh, a, you know Dwayne McDuffie's uh, pitch for like all the black kids on skateboards. <laughs> I, I I don't want to say it on stream because that could probably get us demonetized or get that get us like a I don't know like some kind of hard copyright strike. Oh, oh yeah, um, least of not for probably saying like a soft racial slur because no, 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 so I'm nearly quoting what was in the comic. I'm not like please. Oh no no, but you know which pitch I'm talking about, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, no no. Um, so Hobie got par- partially paralyzed. Um. As he was working on recovering, he had designed the Hornet jetpack. The problem with the Hornet jetpack was was that it's too damn heavy. Mm. And somebody like Spider-Man could handle it because of his spider strength. And so that's how he got the, the Hornet costume. Eventually, he abandoned all four identities when his name was cleared and he became Spider-Man again. But uh, there was a series called in the 1990s called Slingers, where you had four uh, costumed teenagers taking on the various disguises. So you had Dusk, Ricochet, um, Dusk was a female, Ricochet, and Hornet, um, and Prodigy, All they were all like a super team. Uh, Hornet, the original Hornet, uh, the second Hornet, excuse me, besides Peter Parker, he was killed during the Enemy of the State storyline in Wolverine, uh, drawn by John Romita Jr., Mark Millar was the artist, so yes, that would be deplatformed. Yes, Thank you. That, was, that was the proper word. <clears throat> so, um, Hobie then becomes Hornet during King of Black. Okay. That, there you go. I mean, that's I mean, more or less. That's what. That's, the, that's what happened. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Yeah. Okay, so, so, anyways, so anyways Hobie, uh, it's a flashback to King of Black. Hobie suits up as uh, Hornet. Also, something uh, to note: Prodigy is not in this issue. It's just Ricochet, Dusk, and uh, Hornet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Which the cover? Know. He's on the cover, so he's not. That, yeah. But um, just but for those of you who are wondering, where's Prodigy? Um, he hasn't been seen since 2011. As far as I, or was he was he in the Ben Riley arc? I forgot. I don't I think that was, he was, Dusk was, that was in the Ben Riley. Ricochet were. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember Prodigy being there, but Prodigy is leading the initiative still. Apparently, I guess. Don't question it. Yeah, I don't remember what. I'll look up what's what's going he, on. With Prodigy. He, he, he got he got like arrested for being drunk, and Iron Man blackmailed him to being us into signing up for the Fifty State Initiative. And then when after Norman Osborn was beaten during Siege, uh, Cap made him the leader of the initiative program, which was weird, but yeah. Anyways, um, Hobie, Hobie's looking at uh, the mess that he created as Hornet, while uh, in the present, uh, Mindy is getting the soft pitch for Hobie's plan to expand Fairgrey, which, if you recall from Tom Taylor's friendly, friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, uh, was a crowdfunding site that Hobie co-opted to give uh, you know lower-class people the help they needed. And his plan is to expand to um, help help these uh, people who've been affected by the Avengers battles or like any superhero fight ever, and help them and help them uh, through their uh, personal issues that have come as a result. 
but um, he's interrupted from his pitch by a call from one of his employees who's revealed that all of their servers are being taken and um, that they're all terminated. And who is the person that bought their stuff? None other than the Beyond Corporation. That's the only tie-in to Beyond. That we get. Yeah. So, um, Hobiga meets with their lawyer who uh, says, hey, you're getting like $15 million out of this. And the final evaluation of their company is $200 million, which is basically like they could they could remake this company and then some. But then Mindy realizes, well, wait a minute. Our valuation is only like $75 million. So Beyond Corporation overpaid a lot for um this com for, for our company maybe we should kind of look into that you know because that seems a little excessive um but then again microsoft just bought activision for 78 billion so what do i know um basic basically hobie breaks into beyond corporation and steals the drive but is ambushed kind of i mean she fails but she tried, I guess. So like a, like a eighth effort, I guess. <laughs> like the, the gold star, you tried. There was an attempt. Uh, so Dusk tried to break into um, into Hobie's apartment, and um, I kind of forgot what happened. Um, she's getting like little visions about, um, I guess, the future. I don't know. I I kind of forgot how the, how the like actual Dusk works. You'll forgive me if there's things that I don't really catch yeah but um i think she got kidnapped by the beyond corporation oh ricochet did yeah ricochet does ricochet got kidnapped by beyond corporation and um you know shield's gone the fbi is useless so um basically they they, they hope hobie accidentally got a hold of the exact file they needed to continue the plot along so they go to um, Herkimer County in New York to uh, break into a Beyond Corporation facility. Um, they find uh, Ricochet with a bunch of Beyond scientists fighting off what looks to be the Tardigrids from Star Trek Discovery. Um, and fight scene, fight scene, fight scene. Um, Ricochet reveals, you know, I... I wasn't in trouble. Um, I was working for Beyond Corporation. They hired me as part of their hero division. And uh, one of one of the guys in the scientist suits gives Hobie his card and says, I'm offering you a job. Call me in the morning. We need to talk. Issue's over. Okay, so what is everybody's grades for the issue? Okay, on a technical level, I give it a C. On an actual level, I'm probably giving it a D. Ooh. Neil's grade is a D. This is Jesus. The, this is the lowest grade you've given in a while, buddy. Uh, I think this is the lowest grade I've ever, I've ever given. Yeah, I don't think you've given anything below a C. Yeah, I gave I gave 74. Like that, even that was like a low point for me. I gave that a C, I think, like a C minus, right? A C minus. Um I'm going to go C plus. Um, it was serviceable. Uh, you mentioned the whole Ben Riley thing. Uh, ben Riley, Scott Spider. This was uh, David. I think run. D during during yeah Peter David's run. Um, 
Richie Gilmore is the name of the uh, of the second prodigy. Um, they were, uh, yeah, this has been Riley Scarlet Spider number eleven, so the, around that area. <clears throat> so yeah, I see the future, and it will be. <laughs> uh, what is Adam? What's your grade? Uh, I give it a B. Whoa! Oh, okay. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised, like how um, uh, so gave it a C. I think that uh, I mean I I thought it was enjoyable. I don't really I mean. Put your grades. It's now put them up on the screen. Is this going to um, lead to anything else in the future? Probably not. But I thought it was you know. It was good. I thought the art was good. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I it was it was kind of. I mean, it was it was. It's not the best, but it's good enough. I thought. I so, so here's here's my takeaway from this. On a technical level, it is okay. Um, you can tell there's an artist, there's an artist switch from Bazalgia yeah. to Toe. It's very yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even though the colorist really tries to kind of make them blend together, you can tell that it's different artists, and that's not that's not a slight against either of them. It's just they didn't blend together very well. Right. But um, it's the same that happened with like Bocelli and Toe during the Morbius arc. But um, it's written it's written commonly. I don't think Hobie's portrayed as like particularly incompetent or like you know as an unlikable character. But like it, he, here's two major cruxes for why I gave it a D. Um, one, I didn't care about the plot at all. And then two, this had nothing to do with Beyond, with the Beyond storyline, aside from like Beyond being in in the periphery, like it, like Beyond was kind of mentioned as buying out Fairgrey, and then Hobie steals some servers. But like, aside from that, there's not really a whole lot that really makes this a Beyond story, like a story that you need to read for Beyond. Yeah, mm. it provides context for if they spin it off, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, maybe they will. In here, a few months, yeah, but if you look, if you look at like the, if you look at the letters page, Nick Lowe really wants this, really wants this Slinger's book to um, yeah. take well, off. Danny, Danny Chasm does, or whoever I, in the letters page. I mean, I'm down for like '90s nostalgia, but like the the Slingers, they're not my favorite. I, I do hope they they do re-release the the. Um, Spider Hunt or the uh, Identity Crisis oh, yeah. trade. That'd be really yeah, I wanna, nice. I want to get. Yeah, I want to pick up the Identity Crisis trade. Honestly, I because that kind of the, the desk story. Uh, the dust story was one of my. I had a subscription to Peter Parker right as that came out, so that was. Oh, dude! That, I, I have like a, you know, that, I have nostalgia for that. I have fond memories of that. Yeah. The, the, now, granted, the who, who is Joey Z? I mean, when I think about that, I think about J.R. Fettinger. From Crawl Space and his, you know, him talking about who the hell Joey Z was. Uh, uh, who is your, <laughs> uh, some big character that Howard Maggie created? But no, I, I thought that was that era right there that you're talking about, like the Slingers era, the Identity Crisis era, was probably Maggie's strongest era on yeah. Spider Man um, when it was him and Romina Jr. Because well, he started um, off because he started off relatively strong, and then just Peter because he just didn't he could have just had no idea what he wanted to do. Mackie, so Mackie has, like, when you go back and read Mackie's books, um, they have some quirks to them. Um, yeah. He had some pretty good artists that he worked with. Um, 
Alex Savick on web, and then he jumped over to Agile with Spider-Man with Tom Lyle, uh, and then you know Tom Lyle left, and then it became uh, Remedial uh, for the rest of the time that he was on Spider-Man, whether it be on Amazing or Peter Parker. Um, and then he worked with John Byrne as well uh, for the Peggy Byrne reboot. That, uh, but I, ha- I I don't attribute that more to Mackie. I attribute that more to Byrne um, for why that ultimately failed. The problem with Mackie was is that the by the time you got to the reboot, Mackie had been writing the character for almost six or seven years at that point, and I think he was very burnt out. Maybe uh, Joey Z was facade limiting two unresolved plot threads at once. <laughs> where, where was Spencer when we needed him? Uh, uh, that would have been um, <clears throat> Terry Kavanaugh was the uh, facade story. So that's not you're you're, you're crossing your streams a little bit. Um, oh no! Anyway, but um, yeah, no, it could have worked. Maybe uh, that's always been the running joke is that we we still have never figured out who was facade, uh, who who killed Lance Bannon, a, a character that actually you know. Had some depth to him. Yeah. Okay. You know what? In one of my few, in my few bone throws to slot, he did a good joke out of it. In uh, in uh, what's that? What's the art called? I killed tomorrow. That was the, the one where Maybe. like Fasad's about to reveal his identity, and Spider Man's like, "Not now. I'm busy." Oh, that, yeah. was, that, yeah. that that I'll give slot that one. That was funny. Was that during like clone conspiracy? He's like, "Hey, do you want to you want you want to know who, what my identity is?" And he's like, "Not now. I'm busy." Like that was pretty. This is this was before this was before ends of the earth actually like this is the this is the arc just before uh, ends of the earth right we're we're like uh, what's what not Genki uh, makes a time door white Genki oh, uh, 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 makes a time door oh god what's his name Grady uh, Scraps Grady Scraps yeah Grady yes Grady I, for- <laughs> I think that's I think that speaks to how much no one cares that about name him. how do you but how do you forget that name <laughs> uh, the same way I forgot like the rest of the Horizon cast, except mm. for what said Sanjani. Sanjani. Oh. Yeah. Gosh, she was awful. She was just she was just there to be a, a B word. Like she was. I appreciate that, Zach. I appreciate your self censoring. Yeah, for the greater good. Um, but anyways, on, on a technical level, this book is fine. I just. I kind of feel like I wasted four ninety nine because I didn't want to read it. Basically, an ad for a Slinger's book. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I mean, like, I didn't demand this. Like the misty, the misty yeah. night one was at least like fun. This one just felt more like exposition. The like, like, like it felt more like setup yeah, for a different they're... book. There the, is a lot the, of exposition in this, I think. The, the, Misty yeah. Colleen, the Misty Colleen one at least felt like it had like substance and like was its own self-contained story outside of just being like here here's these two characters that don't really get a whole lot of screen time. Right. Here's a issue dedicated to them. This felt more like an ad than like and, and, <laughs> this one felt like the least this one out of all of the tie-ins. All the Bay issues. Yeah. All the Bay issues have felt like that they were more tying into something. This one was the one that felt superfluous. Out of yeah. this is the first one, and I think that that that's why I'm not surprised that um, that you gave it a D on, on a certain level because I can understand why because this is the one you know after telling us we didn't need to read the tie-ins. 
Yeah. And basically lying to us because if you don't read the tie-ins, you're not getting the full freaking story. Well, this one you literally can skip. It is skippable. And that's the part that really honestly frustrates me the most is that um, they, they, they let go. They, they yanked our chain and they let the chain go. And then they pulled back on the chain again when we had a little bit more movement. And now we're yep. right back where we started. Like you, you could, you felt like you could justify no longer um, reading the, the tie-ins like before this, then, you know, they kind of say, oh, yeah, you, you should you should read the tie-ins. You should always read the tie-ins. Well, unless, you know, Hornet and, and Dusk and Ricochet are going to have an active role in the end of Beyond, what the f- was, what the f- is the, is the point? Like, like you want people to cheer and applause and, and um, now it just feels like a joke. <laughs> you know, like, like this was, this was probably the, the worst, most egregious example of just. Give us $5. Give us five bucks and, and uh, for this week and, and we'll advertise uh, this, this tie in book. So. Buy this new miniseries that is going to sell 14k. Um, because because retailers are not going to want to buy. Like I'm sorry, but we we done tried to do a, a prowler. You know, it was a miniseries, but it was advertised as non-going during Clone Conspiracy. That was that was that was like a way like part of a wave of like we wanted to do like full ongoings, but then they canned them because they sold so horribly. I also think they were doing that for the copyright purposes, in my opinion. To renew the copyright. Do we want to? Do we want to continue uh, talking about ASM ninety? I know Paul's. In the, I know Paul's waiting in the parade. So, so Paul, Paul is here or was here. He's. I, I don't know where he exactly. He's at. His chair is empty. I can start giving the rundown of Amazing Spider-Man number ninety. Oh, it's eighty-nine. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, nine ninety. Um, legacy numbering. Eight ninety. So. Uh, on the cover, it's got the goblin and the cat. Um, we've got uh, Goblin Queen, Mommy. Yeah, Queen Goblin. Uh, so we we go back to the Beyond. Uh, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh wait, you want if I do the? Re- or do you want me to redo the recap or what? I can I recap. It's fine. I, I can do it. it. I can do it fast. It's fine. I haven't done a recap in a bit. I gotta stretch the muscle. Stretch, sure. stretch, stretch a little bit. I'll take a nap. All right, take a nap, buddy. Uh, so we open with uh, Gabi Mami and uh, her origin. She's getting created. Um, what's her name from Beyond? Is like my queen, Maxine. Yeah, Maxine's like my queen, and then she flies out. This out. Ha- th- this characterization has the, has the uh, ha- has the uh, edginess of a fourteen year old's fanfic. Just yeah. So, so Goblin Queen is flying on her glider. Um. We then get the title page, you know, all hell Goblin Queen. Pat Gleason's the writer, Mark Bagley's the penciler, Andrew Hennessy and John Dell do the inks. Brian Valencia is Damn it, John Dell's back. <laughs> and uh Joe Carmaga is the letterer. Flip the page over, we have uh, we're back at the McCarthy Medical Center. Um Peter, we see Peter Parker. He's working out with his PT, uh, his physical therapist. She knows that he's been putting in a lot of work. P- 
Peter's trying to trying to continue to push himself, and right on cue, as he Pratt falls into the floor, uh, Black Cat shows up, and so um, Peter and Black Cat are talking back and forth. Cap, uh, Captain America, and Black Cat, obviously, have we, as we talked about the last few issues, have been helping Peter try to get back to full strength, and so uh, we then see also that there's he's gone, also he's gone today to conveniently get him out of the way for the plot to continue. Yeah, so basically, Cap is off Avenger, uh, being an Avenger. He's off world, and then there's a bulletin that the Daily Bugle is being attacked. Peter's like, "I somebody needs to go." He thinks he's ready, and Peter's like, "It's not exactly my style." So, you know, Cap, you know, reminds him that she he doesn't she doesn't want him to go in half cocked. Neither does Cap. Um, we have a big, brief reminder that the the Mary Jane Black Cat had a had a little. A little tryst uh, in Beyond Number One, as we covered last episode. But um, you know, Cat's like, "Fine, if you think you're ready for this, then fine." And so Peter then gives, or Peter is then given his web shooter. But Cat said, "If you want it, you can come and get it." So she then webs him to the to the to the wall. And Cat said, "Please be gentle. This is this is the other dream. Please be gentle." Yeah. So. We then have, uh, uh, you know, Cat going off to the Daily Bugle. Meanwhile, the Daily Bugle, Mary Jane is about to plunge to her doom as she is hanging on to some some scaffolding at the at the. And they say that a hero can save us. I'm not gonna stand here and wait. Two falls off like in, in that, the first scene in that movie. In your music video, yeah. Well done, Neil. Yeah. Uh, good reference. So. Uh, as we get to, uh, you know, look into my eyes, uh, you know, Ghost Rider style, a.k.a. the Goblin days, um, Mary Jane's like, you know, I don't know what's going on. So we then have um, Walter James Wilcox getting basically pumpkin, like uh, pumpkin bomb to death. I don't know what happened. The artwork's kind of a little weird. I, on I, I, what I think what happens is that like her, her scepter, I don't know, is it a scepter? It looks like a double-ended mace. Yeah, he, he grabs it and it like it sets him on fire or something. It immolates his insides. I think that's so what it is. then punches Queen Goblin in the face and just like just stop it. And she's about to, uh, you know, about to hurt MJ when Black Cat comes in, saves the day. Uh, Black Cat and her going back and forth, and then uh, Black Cat gets got all damaged goods, and now uh, she got the gets the gun. Dead, by the way, she's got she's like lynching black cat by her by the chain like she should be dead right we then have black cat you know going through her going you know making herself feel like a failure that she's awful that no one cares that she's this is just, just this disappointment and then queen goblin's like the world would be better off without you and then she decides to like literally plummet to her freaking doom <laughs> the neil's life inator <laughs> never will be better off without you <laughs> So, um, again, we have the tears of, of uh, Black Cat. That's so good. That page is so fucking good. Yeah, so um, then all of a sudden, just a, the, the tear bu- bubble bursts, and it's a web line, and it's... How is she not dead again? She should have yeah. died like twice this issue. First, she, first, she, gets, a, first she gets like a noose made out of chain, and now she gets Gwen Stacy. How is she still alive? 
It's because it's Black Cat. Anyway, so BJ has this big old grin on her face saying that's not Ben. That's Peter. So, um, <laughs> Peter's like, you make this look easy. You totally got this. And he thinks he's totally got it. But, um, you know, Black Cat kind of plays it off. The three of them have this, have this, this discussion. MJ, I guess, has his costume. I don't know where the costume comes from, but Peter gets the costume. Who's in uh, the bag Black of holding. Cat's bag? Oh, he's in Black Cat's bag. Okay. So uh, Pete gets the costume, climbs up the wall on a gorgeous two page spread. Uh, we then cut back to five minutes prior. So, exactly how did Peter get out of the webs? Janine, who's very good with a knife, helped him bust out because. This is the first time Janine helps has ever met Peter. She's like, you want to help them? Good. Ben, show, show me where to find you. My name is Janine, and we need your help, too, whether you are ready or not. To be continued. Next uh, next edition, next, next episode. Next, next issue, uh, Gobby Mommy sweeps the competition. Yep. So if we're to believe the cover... We got Ben Riley incapacitated with her standing over a completely knocked out black cat with Robbie, Janine, MJ, Glory looking on. Very, very worried. Speaking of being very, very worried, we got Heath again in the house. Hi. Sorry for being so late. Always. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to, my wife and I went out with the kid. And uh, we were out to dinner, so we just got back. It was a little bit later. I was hoping on like twenty minutes earlier, but it is what it is. Um, by the way, by the way, Vikman, yes, <coughs> Adam, bad, <laughs> bad uh, Adam, bad. Yeah. Um. So I, 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 I feel bad because I haven't. I've missed like all of you guys like you know takes on everything. So uh, I. And you're, Forty-five. We haven't, talked, we, haven't, we haven't talked about ninety a whole lot, or eighty-nine a whole lot. We we just finished the synopsis. Right, right, right. yeah, I got we that. A issue just now. Um, we just did the synopsis of of eighty-nine. We we spent the first like forty-five minutes. We talked a little bit about the uh, what was it, the spider smasher. Spider uh, smasher. Then we talked a lot about like Amazon removing DRM and. Uh, yeah, the the Amazon comicsology controversy with them removing. Like he said, DRM, but also removing the desktop versions of their of their uh, software, and so um, we also talked about closed ecosystems and. <laughs> and wait, so, wait, so the, the new, hold on, the new app doesn't let you do um, go on through like the like Safari. It doesn't let you go and read through that. Yeah, the the new website, the new web version doesn't let. It only works through Kindle. Yeah, you have to use the Kindle app. So yeah, you either have to use the Kindle the Kindle reader on like desktop, or you have to read it on the Kindle app on like the actual computer. And, and comics all okay, but Comicsology still works though. Like both will work simultaneously. I think they're planning to phase it out. The Comicsology app, like through the Mac Store or your iPhone and tablet device, it works fine. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to push people more towards the Kindle. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, they're trying to basically integrate it more with Kindle, and people aren't happy. Okay, especially well, you should have seen you should have seen like my whole uh, you should you should have seen my whole uh, 
soliloquy on it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally out of the woods on that. Um, I do. So you guys talked about issue 88, then the the first appearance of Red Goblin or, or Goblin. We, we talked about that last week. Yeah, we, I, I totally missed that. So I wasn't here for the last episode. Yeah. So um, I just want I got I got to catch up because or I've already read it, but I mean I wanted to just kind of catch up my feelings a couple of times a little bit. I've I know you guys talked this a long time ago, probably the previous week as well. The MJ and Black Cat issue and. Yeah. I thought that was phenomenal. Yes, it was. That was such a great issue. And also, I wanted to also um, also give a shout out to the letterer who did the tombstone in the uh, parenthesis, or a little like faint, like you know, emphasizing the fact that he talks quietly. I yeah. love that. Like that was a that has been missing in comics for a while now, and seeing that again, I haven't seen the nineties. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a really cool touch because. It's it's a lost art that that whole thing. Um, so that was a phenomenal issue. Uh, I gotta tell you uh, what Zeb Wells wrote the not t- not today's issue, but the one last week. Yeah. And I, I really liked I liked the art. The, the the I thought the Goblin Queen was a really cool idea. Um, and I was really impressed. Goblin, Goblin Queen's different thing. <laughs> oh um, wait, what is which one is she called? See, I'm, I'm getting confused. She- which one is she calling her goblin queen goblin yeah she's goblin just call her gobby just call just call her gobby mommy yeah you be the the nickname gobby mommy but uh goblin queen also is known as fury the goblin queen is also from the mc2 as well so anyway anyway i just want to say that queen goblin is was surprisingly really interesting like visually and like it was a different take on things so yeah i i, I was into it I'm, I'm i was into it i can't wait to actually talk about this issue in particular um so yeah i'm losing my voice i'm i'm sorry so but yeah this is gonna be a very interesting conversation i think with uh with you guys on this issue can i go first with it since i'm already talking mr Zach? absolutely in that way you don't um Let's give, grade, let's give grades real quick. Before what your grade on this, uh, Paul? I'm going to give it an A. All right, just an A? Regular A? Yeah. Okay, uh, Neil? I'm giving it an A plus. A plus. After, after the D that you gave it, gave last, the last issue, not this, like the, like the Bay issue that we covered tonight, you go from the lowest grade you've ever given to one of the highest, so... Adam? I'll give it an A minus. Oh, you must have been reading off my notes because I gave it an A minus as well. So, nice. A, nice. A minus, A minus, and an A plus. Um, Paul, what did you think about this uh, issue? What was it that gave it, that made you give it an A? Well, I think, I've got to be honest, this is what, the second issue that Gleason's written? And yeah. I. I don't know if he's being heavily edited or if he's just, you know, putting his name on something, but I've been really impressed with his dialogue. I've been really impressed with his pacing Um, as an artist, you know, and writing comics, you know, you have to think visually, right? Like that's kind of, even if you're a writer, you have to think visually and it's not, it's not something that everyone can do. 
And obviously as an artist and as a great artist as he is, it shouldn't be a shock, but I'm really impressed with how he's able to really let just the art of doing the medium of comic books and doing, you know, ending pages a certain way on cliffhangers. And again, editors all play a part in that. And I'm sure he's being edited just like anyone else's, maybe more heavily edited, I don't know. But I've been really impressed with how he's been able to put a story together really, really efficiently and have it be a lot of fun. I really thought that he did a good job. Again, assuming he did the issue. I'm not saying he didn't, but I've just been really shocked. I'm like, man, this is actually a really good comic. When Nick Lowe said that he was you know, an untapped potential of writing or, you know, I'm putting, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he emphasized how much of a good writer he was. He was not lying. I, I kind of took that as like we're just giving him a, a you know a little a little bit of a piece of meat or whatever you know a little something but no man like it was I've been really impressed the two issues he's written have been really solid and I really liked what they've given us for uh, for the characters so yeah I I thought that the pacing was really well done I thought the characterizations all seemed really good I thought Queen Goblin was awesome again I loved the power that we got out of her bringing out vision yeah it was great. <laughs> Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of great stuff in this. You know, the reason I gave it a minus is I thought that the art was a little, it was super solid, but it wasn't great. Um, there's great stuff in it, but there's some, you you want to talk about John Dell for a little bit? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was, the coloring was a little weird at times. It wasn't always consistent. Yeah, but like on that last panel before Felicia gives Peter his costume, like it looks like her nose is blending into her head. It looks, looks kind of like Voldemort there. Yeah, it's it's just, it wasn't a complete perfect issue, but for the most part, Bagley did a great job. I thought for the most part, um, I thought that yeah, Gleason did a great job. It was really fun. I, I thought it was really well done how they were able to kind of come, get everything combined. I was I was really impressed. So yeah, a minus for me. It was great. All right, Neil. <clears throat> So I, th- I think I think it's important to note that um, I've been very positive regarding Gleason. Um, I don't think he should be like the only writer. If I had my, if I had my way, it would be um, Gleason and McKay co-writing, sort of like what Gleason did during his time at DC on uh, Batman and Robin and Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, did he write I think that too? He co-wrote it with Tomasi. Okay. 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 But um, it, it clearly it, it clearly shows that when Gleason is part of at least a duo, he's at his best writing wise. Um, like his his writing for Red Goblin didn't impress me, so that I think he just needs a group to bounce off of. I love your little turn rack, Paul. Spinner rack. Spinner rack. I'm sorry. Super jealous. But um, now he's just like he's like now, now you're just flexing. Yeah. He's- but anyways, um. I, I think this is probably the single strongest issue of Beyond, not counting like the one shots. Um, I think this is because I think Black Cat MJ is probably the best one we've gotten, and that's probably when that's probably when Beyond peaked for me. Yeah, but um, I, I think that unfortunately, there's not any Ben Riley in this issue. I think that's telling is that. And Ben's it's Ben's issue, and it's one of the best of the run because and, it's, because it's basically the love letter to Peter. It's him. It's him defying the odds and showing up. Well, not defying the odds, but like you know, it's I mean, very him, him having a him having a him having a god a big damn heroes moment and showing up just when everyone needs him to. That was a great moment. This again, um, 
this could have easily been one of the worst parts of the clone saga was when Peter was jobbing out to, to Ben when they were, you know, devaluing Peter to elevate Ben. And that is the worst part of the clone saga. It's particularly evident when you start seeing things like, and I, I just literally been listening to the most recent episodes of CSC and Paul, you missed my announcement that, uh, um, we may be recording the finale of CSC this weekend. Um, but I, I've been listening, and I right now I'm through to the Grace Responsibility episode. Uh, so that shows you how many episodes I've listened to. Almost 20-some-odd episodes now. Um, the fact of the matter is is that Ben's not in this issue at all. It's a Peter issue. And it's Bagley working with Gleason was phenomenal. I So I, I agree with Radiac here. He says, even though I think personally Bagley is misused as a villain artist and took a dive on facial expressions. He nails scenes like Felicia. Hell yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I wanted to. I wanted to expand on my John Dell rinse, and this goes back to Spencer's run. But you, one of Bagley's weak spots is letting John Dell ink his work because John Dell always does these weird panels where, like, line work is clearly incomplete, and he should have just gotten Andrew Hennessy to ink the entire issue. Those are the the pages you can tell where Hennessy does it because because there's not like just weird splotches missing from the page. Right. Those okay. pages. Those pages you can tell are Hennessy, and I wish Hennessy would ink. <laughs> All yeah, work. or Mark I, Morales. I can tell. I can tell. Really, like even on that last page that that Dell did the ink. Um. Uh, I also want to point out what Radiac said too. He said, "I also appreciate that Janine and MJ look much different now as opposed to a Daisy-like variant." Um. That, that that's absolutely true. Uh. You know. <sighs> Janine, especially in Lost Years, looked like Mary Jane. So much so that Steve Wacker thought that the, this big old three-quarter splash page of Pete, of Ben and Janine was actually Peter and Mary Jane from the 90s. And actually, during the Who Has Been Riley arc, that was put in as like, like the like the background, like they had like a background image of Peter Peter and MJ, but it wasn't Peter and MJ. It was Janine and, and Ben from Lost Years. So there is at least enough of distinction between Janine and MJ that you don't think that it's just, you know, Janine's just a copy um, of MJ. I, I really love the artwork here. The scene with Felicia was phenomenal. The characterization of Felicia has been phenomenal characterization of MJ. MJ is a badass in this issue. I mean, she punches a goblin in the face without having to, like, like, there's no contrived nonsense. Like, she she knows it's going to probably hurt the situation, and she still does it anyway. So, MJ's written strong. Peter's written strong. Um, uh, you know, everybody's written strong here. The, the, the weak link, I think, is a little bit of Goblin Queen. But at least we're getting, uh, you know, um, some internal monologue with her. You can yeah, like, like to, to, expand, to expand on Gabi Mommy. Um, I mentioned earlier in in your recap. Do that make that's just, just so cringe. Stop using that phrase. 
Well, I don't want to keep calling her Queen Goblin because every time we do that, we're gonna think of Madeline Pryor. So Gabby Mommy is the next best thing. <sighs> plus, it's, plus, it's funny and it makes you mad, so I'm gonna keep doing it now just because I know it pisses you off. Um, but with Gabby Mommy, I feel like it's just some 14 year old's fan fiction. Um, like she does that. Uh, but this is where the healing begins. Madness is clear. It's, it sounds like Cold Steel the Hedgehog. Like, come on, man. <laughs> that okay. Uh, I'm gonna. Def- I will. I'll defend the dialogue for Queen Goblin up until that point. That's the only line of dialogue from both the her from the both issues that I've been like. I was a little over the top. Again, not not, not Gleason's strongest point, and but I, that's a very much a a writer's. Um, in my opinion, uh, it's like it's, it's like low hanging fruit for a lot of writers. They it's, their to, like, it's their cheap. It's their cheap way of presenting an insane character. Yeah, yeah. or just and try to be like clever, not clever, but trying to be you know trying to make it seem. No, what is them trying to be clever? I mean, it's it's them trying to be operatic, you know, and, and be and, I don't know, whatever. It's I will say that's the one line of the of that inner monologue that I did not that cr- that made me cringe a little bit. I thought the dialogue for her actually had been pretty strong. I don't think I've never. I don't think it's bad to a point where I'm like, this is awful. I never. I at least for me, and like, I think it's very easy for a character like that to be super cringe. So it never. I'm not saying it's amazing, but it's. I don't think it's bad. It's. It's. It's fine, and it. It just needs to be fine. She doesn't need to be super. You know, dynamic. She, okay, I will say this: she's. She is not menace. That's. That's. That's like. A low bar. Well, I don't like menace at all, but like uh, female goblins, we have what? Menace, Carly Cooper, Carly Cooper. Well, uh, I two issues. Yeah, that was but, but yes, but it counts. I'll say it Okay, so there is some pages where the art is better. Little, there is some pages where the artwork's a little off. The particularly the one where you know she's basically hanging. Uh, Felicia by the by the neck. Yeah, that, I was like, she should have died <laughs> twice. Like the face of Goblin Queen looks a little off there. That's a uh, John Dell page right there. And I'm pretty sure that the page with Peter, especially when you look at the faces, uh, they don't look right. And I'm almost positive that's also a John Dell page. Okay, so the, so the page where um, Felicia jumps off the go- jumps off the glider. That's definitely a John Dell page because the way that face is inked, the one that zooms in on her face when she, after she's jumped, that looks exactly like a Kevin Cully face. And Kevin Cully was a very important uh, John Dell co worker. Just the, the way it's drawn looks like a John Dell page. But yeah. actually, I want to touch on Radiac's point that like they could have easily made this like a commentary on Green Goblin overexposure. I honestly think it would have been cool if like Beyond Corporation, because you know, their entire thing is like Blackrock with superheroes at this right. point instead of like actually being interesting villains, but yeah. um but i feel like they could have easily just made like what kind of villains does spider-man like a like a public poll on like their on their equivalent of twitter and just yeah. so like what's spider-man's greatest villain someone said green goblin like fine we'll make a green goblin go blow up the daily bugle <laughs> only worry is is that we've only got four parts left well the plot hasn't progressed anyways so that is that is my biggest thing is that if this is supposed to be a 19 part story we've we're got 15 <laughs> we're on part 15 and we've got four parts left plus a bay what? issue with Monica Rambo there's a lot of story to wrap um what, what exactly have to wrap the Ben situation is something that's got to be addressed 
I I don't but you don't think that double, okay first of all there'll be a double size issue for the last one. I, I think they've already ex already explained right now that there's something going on. You're going to reveal that somewhere in the next four issues. That's not going to be that difficult, in my opinion. Well, no, but we established that Janine and Mary Jane and Black Cat and Peter are all together now. So that's four issues left of that. And again, with every other, you know, I'm assuming there's going to be double, pay, double, uh, you know, sized issues in here. I don't see Gleason, Gleason already confirmed 93 is double size. Yeah, so I, I don't I'm not I'm not worried because I feel like they're already they've, they've done a very good job of naturally building up the Beyond Corporation and it's coming to a head and Queen Goblin is that head. And I feel like again, I feel it's a good payoff. They they've they've I honestly think they've built up a decent villain in this and it's been it's different. It's not the same classic, you know, Green Goblin formula bring in, you know, whatever. It's 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 a different take. And I gotta say. I'm really into her power. I love her power. I think it's really cool. I love what she did to Felicia. It was really interesting taking the whole Kafka thing and like taking the um oh the, the mind effing with yeah, yeah that's yeah. super cool. And I think again, there's a different there's think, a difference with her. Yeah, I think they did enough to differentiate her versus. And I kind of I, I did make the joke about look into my eyes, pendant stare type thing. But it's cool. I it's mean, it, it's it's got it's got a better success rate than the pendant stare at this point. So, um, no. <laughs> look, Bagley. Listen, I Bagley was brought in pretty last minute um, on this, and he freaking killed it. I mean, absolutely killed it. I mean, God was great, man. It was great. Um, I, cool I, this is this is more of a joke, but I just love how like gob how gobby mommy's power is just depression stare, like be depressed. Kill yourself I, love now. I love that's different because I mean it's not like the penis stare is like you're feel you're gonna feel all the terror you had inside you, whatever. No, 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 I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's not unique. I just think it's funny. Like you can boil it down to just you know that that clip of that one guy going, "You should kill yourself now." <laughs> that's essentially what Queen Goblin's power is. Well, I mean, it's a, yeah, but I think that, but again, it plays into the, at least the fact of who she was as a person before. Yeah. No, 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 I know. It's, I'm just, I'm an, just saying, it's like, the anti, like, you know, it's, it's just like the weird, it's like, it's like the, the way it's visualized is cool, but like yeah. on the surface, it's just kill yourself stare. <laughs> well, and also, it's also the hubris of Beyond. Right. By them now, over, they've already over been working on overextending. They've obvious take, obviously taken a, step or a bridge too far too big of a bite to too big of a bite and they think they're untouchable so their own hubris is what's going to bring them down um i think it's an enjoyable enough arc if this gets ben back to where ben should be by the end of this i'm i'm game i'm down we've basically got two months left I don't think it's going to happen, though. I don't think it's going to happen to wait. It's, it's not, what I think, Zach, is it's going to tie up a little bit of, of like the missing memories that he has. But I don't think it's going to tie up everything purposefully. Because I think there's going to there's gonna be another series with him in it or something like that. Because it seems too good. I think what they're done with Ben is too interesting. Because this is the road to recovery. This is them re like saving Ben Riley from... The early day, or you know, from the dance slots, and you know, I love, love you, Peter David, but the Peter David run, where it just was too, it's too weird. I've it's, learned, to, I've learned to not like modern David. How I stopped. Symbio Spider-Man should be uh, how I stopped worrying and love to not like Peter David anymore. 
Agree, disagree. But anyway, um, I I'm surprised I, Brad still lets you be on his show. That's he's too bad. He's modern modern Peter David. I like his older stuff still. But well, like his, modern, his, his modern stuff is is very not good. I I think Superior Spider Man. I haven't read the latest it's, one. It's the, like Donny, I've it's like Donny Kate. Something happened that made them go full bad. I, I yeah. thought I think Symbiote Spider-Man is a lot a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Um but but anyway, I, I just want to say that they've been they have now successfully rebuilt Ben Riley. So I think there's great there's good storytelling there, Zach. That I don't think it's gonna be all in a nice tied up in a bow at the end of this four issues. There's gonna be some carryover to wherever they have him going next. On the road I, again. Yeah, I'm great. on the road again. The fact that we have not gotten Kane this entire time, I think, is a missed opportunity. Too much. Uh, There's too much. You can't it'd be way too cloud, uh, crowded. I don't feel like enough has happened. It's been like 15 really? issues, and the plot is barely kicking off. I, I feel like if there's there was some spinning of the wheels in the ver- in like the like, like we could have eliminated the first six, the first six issues. Honestly, were very spinning of the wheels. We'll do we'll do a full autopsy once Beyond is done. I feel I, like is we wrote a, a good chunk of an episode of kind of going back and saying, okay, now now that we've completed the this arc, what was the things that were right, what other things were wrong? Uh, it'll be really, you know, but like uh, Radiac says, you know, only with four issues left, it feels so out of place that Beyond's even involved in all this. But we all know why. But this feels like Scar- Scarlet Spider Volume Three guest touring ASM. So, okay, so Paul kind of touched on like how you know next wave. Ages of Hate was more just like kind of setting up the Beyond Corporation and Captain America, the Mighty Avengers kind of expanded on it. To go off of that, one of the reasons I was looking forward to Beyond as a story arc was to see Beyond Corporation do Beyond Corporation things. Here you could have like replaced them with rocks on it. I don't really think a whole lot would have really changed. Mm. And so it feels like a huge waste of the Beyond Corporation uh, title. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, see, it, was, I, it was a bit of a letdown for me. Well, and, and you have that going into it, though. Like, I didn't, and I still don't really know what's going on with Beyond Corporation. I have to read Mighty Avengers. The beauty of it is I don't have to, and I still enjoy it because I just yeah. know that, you know, the, which again, I'm terrible with names, but the chick with the pink hair, ugh, Max she's, she's new, though. That's the thing. She yeah, so they, yeah, exactly. So, and, and, I, and I figured that much. So they're establishing that, like, Beyond's kind of like a rock song. Like, that's a good comparison, I think. Um, but I why do did they go with rock song then? Because Roxxon's a corporation that is it's, it's it's making money. It's not about making bad guys, from my and perspective. And their primary their primary focus is like, yeah, it's being not, assholes for the plot. My my thing about Beyond in this is like they're they're set up as the bad guy, but it seems more to me that they're more amoral and yeah, you know, uh, opportunists. You know, like. But, but I don't. I don't know if they're necessarily bad guys. Neil, am I wrong about that? Like, imagine if we had like a number. They, they are true. Here's the thing: Beyond Corporation, at its heart, in in like the expanded stuff from Mighty Avengers and Next Wave, is more just like chaotic neutral. They right, just do okay. whatever they want because they yeah. feel like it. Well, it's yeah. like amoral, yeah. I I did get a a little bit of a they're not like amoral completely. I didn't get that impression anyway. That's my opinion from like the the next wave stuff that I read into reading this Beyond Corporation, especially with Maxine as the head. 
And again, I'm assuming Maxine, obviously, see, this is what I think they're, they're doing too. They're setting something up besides just with Spider-Man. I feel like they're, they're, yeah. they are building beyond, beyond. Just, no like, pun intended. Why did this, but at that point, it, why did you say it's like a 19 part story if you're not going to wrap it up? At chapter nineteen, it's comic books. I mean, I mean, I, I guess, I guess uh, for me, like, I mean, like I really, some degree of closure, though. Don't just you're like you're going to. You're going to get Peter like, back as Spider Man after they like rebuild the, him. Like at the end of Civil War, but like it's at the end of Civil War Two when like it doesn't end. It just it just has Captain Marvel going. Okay, I got some ideas about the future. Let's go do these other things. Secret, finish it in Secret Empire. Go over there. Uh, my, my, my one point I didn't want to make about Beyond and about this story arc. Imagine if they did this story arc in the 90s, though. How interesting it would be to have a corporation like Beyond creating superheroes, a la similar to how the Thunderbolts try to take the place of the Avengers and fill that void and fill that role. So that actually, uh, in a, this would have fit, actually, this would have fit really well in All New, All Different. Like at the twenty fifth, like the twenty fifteen twenty seventeen era, where like most of the major teams were either out of commission, like the Fantastic Four, or right. heavily or heavily reorganized to the point where like the Avengers were hiring kids, and Iron Man had no money. Like the, like something like Beyond Corporation, where like a major corporation is sponsoring like mm-hmm. an A list, like their own their astroturfed A lister, would have been some. And that's kind of what Parker Industries did, but really never really got. In- you cut. You're cutting out, Neil. Uh, Radiac also says, I don't want to be overly negative, but there's all there have been so many good moments, and I'm afraid that will too come to pass. Janine and Ben will be gone along with MJ and Felicia. Okay, so this is why I think that it's important that Maxine's character has been created because I don't think that she's been created for just for this 19 issues. I think you're establishing, you're, you're giving Ben now a reason to dislike the Beyond Corporation. Mm-hmm. They're building the Beyond Corporation, I think, beyond, again, no pun intended, but beyond Spider-Man. It's going to be its own thing. And I think Ben, you're, he's going to be hunting them down. And I think it starts with it starts with this because you're, you're building that up, but you also need to take Peter out of it for a minute because they needed to like regroup as uh, editorially, obviously. And I think it's been I think not inspired, but it's been pretty clever to have the Spider-Man get hurt so badly that you have to rehabilitate them. I work in the medical industry. I used to work for therapy. Um, physical therapy for many many years so it was kind of cool to see this aspect of a superhero have to go through physical therapy in a, in a different way um and again but using that to build up your character and build up the beyond organization to kind of slow things down a little bit to then get to the point where now you can restart with zeb wells and jrgr let's be real that's the whole point the beyond uh, run exists essentially so to me i feel like this is a good it's it's been it's been fine. it's honestly been better than I expected. If you would have told me that it's gonna be 19 issues, it's gonna be about you know these are the, the strong points. I'd be like that sounds like it's it's run of the mill. I feel they've touched enough on Ben's character and and have repaired him enough to where it, it has definitely taken some time. But I feel like you know people say it's been treading. I don't really see it because I feel they they've been building and regrouping all these different characters, and yet to take Peter out of it because you, again you needed to regroup. So you've been rebuilding the character. You're giving a different aspect of the character. I it's it's worked for me. It hasn't been flawless, no. But I mean, it's I think I've been way more impressed with it than I, I was anticipating. Listen, I, trim, trim some of the fat, and I'd agree with you. 
you know, I think I think you could have eliminated probably about four or five parts, and I think it would have been probably a more a little more stronger of a story. Uh, I think the whole Morbius thing was uh, the, the Kelly Thompson arc That's was like one issue. That's like one issue. It's two. Well, it's two issues, but then you've also got the Craven stuff, which I is- love that stuff. Don't take that away from me at all. I love uh, it. The, the Ziggler, the Ziggler parts have been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. But I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, they, they would have worked as like a spectacular Spider-Man story. You can make. Okay, I'll, I'll, how about this? There, I think with the, the Doc Ock Ziggler issues and maybe one issue of um, Thompson's Morbius, you could maybe take those out. So that's what two, three issues at the at max. Yeah, I think uh, like a total of four. Maybe I'm like like I said, you again, you could probably have trimmed those instead of them being two issue arcs, maybe making them an issue, um, you know, and you could have you know take up the Miles issue, take up the, the hospital issue. Miles issue was yeah, that's one of the low, that's one of the low points in my opinion. And I liked and I liked the hospital issue that Aunt Med did, but relative it was, it was to filler. the actual yeah, to the plot, to yeah. the plot of ASM at the time it's it's relatively pointless. That's a good point. That that is a good point. But that see that to me I don't even count that because that's just again filler issues because that's not fullering the plot of beyond. We're just strictly talking about beyond. I've liked what they've done so far. But the vast majority of beyond I, I we were just talking about this. I mean Neil gave the lowest grade that he's given ever on this show. Um, was a D for last the the, the Bay issue for this this today uh, yeah last week Bay. I haven't read it yet. It's okay. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly, good-ish. <laughs> in my opinion, it is the least consequential uh, tie-in issue that they've done so it's far. Just, it's a I'm, setup for something that is probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, and maybe it will. It's kind of tie this back together, and this is probably my final point of the evening. Um. From me making the announcement about CSC. If you've ever listened to my discussion and debate about clone conspiracy, the character assassination that occurred with Ben Riley um, and what they did to the character, I will say this Ben Riley, by the end of Beyond, will have been in a better place, and Beyond will have been. To Ben Riley, what the Spencer first half of the Spencer run was to Spider-Man overall, in terms of the rehabilitation, there there is certain things that I felt like were broken from not just slot, but like that that were fundamentally broken, even going back to the Mackie Burn era with Spider-Man. And I think that the past six, almost six years now of Spider-Man's publishing history has been about having to repair the poor characterization at times of different and various characters. Peter Parker, Jonah Jameson, um, Mary Jane, Black Cat, Ben Riley. Um See, okay, so to, the, so to go off of the MJ and Black Cat stuff, like I, I mentioned earlier, I want some degree of closure in the story. I want this to continue the the Peter MJ Black Cat dynamic we have right now to continue into the world. I know we're not gonna and and going off of the story, okay. I know we're not gonna. It's, I honestly feel like that we're getting a fake out, Neil. I I truly do. I I think that we'll we'll know more when we get this next month's fel- set of solicits when we get you know two, three and four. To me, uh, yeah, I I know, but like, but I'm I'm a little 
miffed that they're that they're even considering using that as a selling tactic. It, it, it's I'm kind of tired of it. If that makes, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of I'm tired of the of the of using negative negative sales tactic yeah. tactics to try to drum up discussion and debate and interest. To me, the strength of the story, and I feel like that the, for the most part, Beyond has done a very good job, and uh, of just presenting the story as it is and going from there and it, 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 and making things seem interesting. Um, I, I am very cautiously optimistic with, with Wells because I feel like he has grown significantly as a writer. Um, I, I, going back and listening to the old episodes of CSC, I, I had a lot of crit- heavy criticism for early Todd DeZago work in the Clone Saga. But if you listen to me later, when I'm talking about, especially when Mike Ringo comes in, his best friend, as the regular artist on Sensational, uh, Todd DeZago's work, I think, took a marked improvement. And I think it's because he grew into the role of writer. So I honestly think that that Zeb Wells being involved with the Beyond Corporation storyline I think that there's going to be hopefully some elements of this storyline that carries over. And one of those things I hope to see is the characterization of Black Cat, the characterization of MJ. <laughs> I don't understand um, why we have to sit there and have the the breaking up of the couple. Um, again, until I read the actual issues, we'll see. It's just... It just honestly seems disingenuous after all the positivity that you have that you have developed within the fan base of having the two characters together now breaking them up for what seems to be arbitrary reasons because your your plot is driving the story <coughs> where the characters are not driving the plot the plot's driving the characters and that's my biggest concern for the wells administration so to speak is is the characters driving the plot and i feel like that the characters have been driving this plot very well even queen goblin on 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 a on the surface level seems absurd with ashley kafka being in the driver's seat but behind that character but it's ashley kafka taken up to a 12 and you know, sprinkled in what if you know she got given that very goblin formula that she was trying to you know um, psychoanalyze out of people like Harry Osborne. It's a very much taking Ashley Kafka and and flipping her on her head and having her show her worst impulses as a character. So it's interesting to me. Um, it's but even so, she. No, Vinkman, I don't mean that. Uh, <laughs> yes, go, go, Vinkman. Vinkman's going to spread the word of Gabi Mommy. Uh, but my, so I, I honestly think that we're getting to a point, and again, we got four issues. I, I'm, I'm highly anticipating what these four issues are going to be. Uh, it just sucks that we're going to have to pay, you know, for a double sized issue once again. We're going to have. Now, th- three double-sized issues within four months of each other. Five months of each other, which is really annoying. Because you know they're going to do the double-sized, triple-sized issue for one for 900. You know, everybody, everybody should know that. 
Like, have you ever read comics before? Yeah, exactly. God, I wish I couldn't read. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's like par for the course, man. I mean, I'm just like it's one of those things where, you know, I, I said on, on our, on our uh, my podcast yesterday, um, our video show with uh, Adam, I said that you know comics are unique in the in the art uh, community, in my opinion, you know, monthly comics anyway, because it is very much like the artist. Uh, uh, you know, it's a medium of art. But it's also, or you know, an art medium, whatever. But it's also that whole blue collar. You have to get it done, and, and it's like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's that whole idea of, of a of a bricklayer. You know, it, it's he may not be like the, this uh, this beautiful job he'll do, but he'll get the job done. That's what you need him to do, right? He'll just, he'll come in to work nine to five, pour it down, and, and go to the next one. And that's kind of what comics are. But you have to be creative. So there's like this really weird dynamic of a very consistent workmanship with this creative thing behind it and it's a hard thing to balance because for anyone who's been creative in anything being creative is not something you can just turn on the light switch and if you can you're probably freaking a millionaire because you're you know creative ideas or whatever but you know i i think with um with comics it's just this is all stuff par for the course it's just reality and you have to kind of understand like okay to get to that point you got to get to this point and i I don't hold that against it because you got it's all going somewhere. And I feel like with four issues left, there's I mean, maybe it won't nail it. Maybe I'll be wrong. But I just kind of feel the way it's been at least it's been headed. It feels like we're going in the right direction. But I've been wrong because I thought uh, Nick Spencer's run was going to end well. And it, it was a hard it was, <laughs> it was a hard one. Yeah, that, that. But no, but no one could have predicted that. I mean, and it will, well, in five, you know, ten yeah. years, we're gonna get the real story about that, and I think we all would agree it's probably not, you know, it's know probably not a good thing behind the scenes. I imagine. We'll, we'll see if we get the story. I don't know. I, I'm I almost will. If Nick Spencer wants to tell his story, unfiltered, unstopped, un, un uncapped. He's got uh, an entire platform to do it called. I will, I will maybe, you've, maybe you've heard of it. It's very neat. And once, yeah, so so niche that no one is uses it. I have not heard anyone use it like ever. I I I couldn't see someone like Grant Morrison ever using it, dude. But honestly, like I don't like I, I legitimately. I'm not even trying to be funny here. I'm like legitimately like, do people even use it? Like what? I don't I, subset. Well, I mean, or subset, I mean, me. fracking billionaires maybe, but like who you who? I, I, I mean, wasn't it Coates? Or Kate's and freaking uh, what's his name? Put on a, yeah, new put a new comic out and like and like all these other. People. I read the preview; it was utter trash. <laughs> I mean, like Substack, like what? What is it? There's no promotion of it. Like there's nothing. There's no promotion. Well, you see, I I can I can here's a promotion. <laughs> that's your promotion for um. That that's that's your promotion for Substack. Yeah, so um, we're almost to the two-hour mark, and I'm, I'm, we're a little, we went a little long this episode. That's my fault. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's just because we, we spent forty-five minutes talking about various <laughs> other things, but we wasted time talking about Amazon for you. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're trying to, try to. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So once again, I want to. Um, let everybody know about our Patreon page at patreon.com. So like, give a big thanks, a shout out again to our, our patrons, Vigman, Scott, Greg, and Jurgen. 
Their support is invaluable to us here at Swing-Dude.com. If you want to get these episodes a little bit earlier, you can always become a Patreon member. But if you want to get the voices from the Eerie the Gargoyles podcast, they usually come out a week earlier than everybody else. So if you want to get early access to those particular shows, you can definitely go to Patreon.com slash Spidey Network. We also got uh, coming in March, we'll have the uh, ASM Classic Show. That will be coming early to patreon.com slash Spidey Network as well. And then, of course, we've got our other great things. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter, at Spidey Radio, at Spidey Network on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, obviously, leave us a like, a share, and subscribe at Spidey Radio Network on on. Uh, YouTube, and if you want your voice to be heard on this show or Clone Soccer Chronicles, give us a give us a shout out on our voicemail line 818-925-6631. That's 818-925-6631 for the voicemail line. Leave us a voicemail. We will play that voicemail on a future episode of the Spidey Dude Experience. Once again, I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster, your friendly neighborhood host, and I am signing off on this particular edition of Spidey Dude Experience, but be sure to check out our other great shows, such as Make Mine Mayday, where we're, uh, next episode of when we're recording this, we're going to be building towards issue 100, issues 93 through 97, really excited about that where I get to talk about the Squires and you get to hear me give a Reader's Digest version of that you also got ASM Classics the first season is all up on Spidey-Dude.com your favorite podcast catcher Voices from the Eerie just had an episode starring me that's right if you want to hear me talk about the first five part pilot episode you can always listen to Voices from the Eerie Gargoyles podcast and of course we have all the spectacular radio up on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. So I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host, and I'm wishing you uh, a very good night and good luck. And we'll see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network.